The following audio is from Central Christian Church, located in Portales, New Mexico. To connect with Central, go to centralwired.org.
church. So I want to introduce you to a little word, a little bitty word. It's only two letters. It's pretty simple. Even I can memorize this word. Um, And it's pretty fascinating the way this word works, because when you put it into a sentence or a phrase or take it out from a phrase, it completely changes the entire dynamic of that phrase. First, I want to talk to you about the book of Acts. Chapter 16, verses 31, verse 31 says, And they replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. We follow that up in the book of John, chapter 14, where it says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. So, you're probably wondering what that word is. So I'm going to tell you, it's the word in, I-N. So whenever we take that word and we put it into a sentence or into a phrase, it completely changes the whole dynamic and the whole message of that phrase. For example, if I say, I was a wreck, or I was in a wreck, Completely changes that whole phrase. What if I said I was in a mess or I was a mess? But the one that got me is if I added into this phrase. If I say the phrase, I believe in God, but then I take it out and I say, I believe God. I completely Changes the message. You know, when we place that word in into those phrases, like I said, the whole dynamic changes. And so that last phrase, I believe in God versus I believe God. We're all called to a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. And we believe in the saving power of his love. We believe that he did come and die for us. But do we believe him? Do we believe that the promises he gives us, the promises that he speaks to us in his word, do we believe those to be true? And if we do, are we living their truth? Like I said, that word in completely changes a lot of stuff. Like I said, God calls us into a saving relationship with him and his son. And in order for that relationship to go from 
a mere friendship acquaintance where I say I believe in Christ into that full body loving he died for my sin relationship we take that word in out and I say I believe Christ I believe that what he says is true I believe his message. I believe that he came and he died specifically for me. And whenever we do that, when we get to that point, our relationship changes. I believe that what God said was true and is true. And therefore, I walk and I live his word daily. And I hope you're doing the same. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for your love and your power. And thank you for sending your Son to, to die for us. Lord, I pray that as we walk through this week, Lord, that we take your word and we live your word. And we not only believe in you, but we believe that what you tell us is true. It's in your Son's name we pray. Anybody remember staring contests? Like when you were 10 years old and you just stare at each other for hours? In Darwin, Australia in 2016, that is evidently in northern Australia, they had, some guys in the community wanted to have a fundraiser for a, a, a handicapped child that needed a new wheelchair. And they came up with this idea. We're going to have a staring contest. Apparently there's not much to do in northern Australia. I, I don't know. It seemed a little odd. So they, they got people to pay to sign up to be in this competition. They hired judges to stand there and watch them stare at each other, which is bizarre. Forty-five people entered this contest. All right? The fun things you can find with your Google machine is bizarre. All right? So 45 people enter this competition. Up until this point, the world record staring contest in the Guinness Book of World Records, the world record was 17 minutes and 40 seconds. 17 minutes and 40 seconds without blinking. But in this particular competition, the final round was won by, and I'm not making this up, Fergal Fleming. They called him Eyesore, and he won with a time of... 40 minutes and 59 seconds. 40 minutes and 59 seconds. That is one second shy of 41 minutes. I did the math. So uh, that is a boatload of time. They interviewed him afterwards. He said at 15 minutes, his eyes were red and watering. At 25 minutes, he was weeping openly. At 35 minutes, he said, it felt like I was getting a tattoo on my eyeball. They interviewed him afterwards, after all this, okay, you, this is him, this is Fergal right here. How do you do that? How would you, how do you go about doing that? And he said, well, you got to pick a point on his eyeball and then just stare at it. Because, you see, if you start thinking about the pain, you'll lose. If you start hearing all the voices around you, you'll lose. If you get any, get your focus anywhere else, 
You'll lose. You've got to pick a point in his eyeball and just focus all your energy there and drown out all the other sounds. I doubt Fergal meant to, and I doubt he realized it, but he was agreeing with the Bible. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1 through 3 that we've been covering in this series, Encourage. God is trying to, through the Hebrew writer, give us a bold faith. He's trying to get us to understand the, the circumstances around us and give us a future that is bright. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. When I was in full-time youth ministry, I'd gone to a conference with a couple of buddies. And uh, we were at a conference. Preachers were up there speaking and everything. And we were sitting next to each other. He had a Bible. It was open on the edges. It had these letters, YBH. He'd turn the page. It'd be on there several times. So I got to lunch and I asked this guy... Okay, you got to explain the initials to me. I don't understand that. I don't know what that means. He said, well, that's my own private code. You see, when I hear a preacher talk about faith or, or grace or these concepts that are hard for me to understand, I get that we're supposed to do them. But what that means is, yeah, but how? Yeah, I get it. We're supposed to be loving. Yeah, I get it. We're supposed to be graceful. Yeah, I get it. We're supposed to run this race. Yeah, but... How? Listen to the flow of how the, the, the message came through these two, two or three verses. He starts with the evidence of what's going on. You are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. There's a bunch of people in your corner. All those people in chapter 11, they're all rooting for you. But he also lists the problems. You're dealing with a weight of anxiety and stress. Throw off the weight. You're dealing with a net of sin and shame and uh, embarrassment. Get out of that net. And then he says the purpose for all of this is to run the race. That's your purpose in your life. And then this passage, this next line is the yeah, but how? How do I do that, Don? How do I run this race? He says by putting your eyes strictly on Jesus. You see, the Hebrew author is even telling you that things don't look good right now. You need to look better. You need to look closely. Or are you looking in anger? You see, their situation wasn't good. But one of the biggest lessons this passage teaches us in between times is we spend way too much time looking at our situation and not enough time looking at Jesus. We tell Jesus our problems or we deal with our problems or we run off trying to fix our problems when, when He's trying to tell us in this passage, go to Jesus and say, Jesus, I have so many problems. I just need You. I need more of You. You're the one thing I need. I just want You. How many of you have ever been to Build-A-Bear workshops? Anybody been to this place? All right. Clint, I'm getting a little ring in my... It's bouncing off the wall. Can we bring that mic down a little bit? Uh, Build-A-Bear workshops. Anybody been there? 
Okay, you better take a fat wallet. You ain't getting out of that place cheap, all right? That's all there is to it. I had a stroke the first time I was in there. What? Okay, so what this is, if you've never been to this place, you go in there and you build a fair. Okay, you know, good marketing there, right there in the name. But you see in there the sign that choose me. You take a four or five-year-old in there, they get to pick whatever color they want, whatever texture they want, whatever eyes they want. I want it tall. I want it fat. I want it this size. I get to pick the characteristics that I like. You see, that is fun for kids. But it is not a good way to build our thinking about God. There's a lot of people that are trying to build a bear theology. They're trying to, I want a little of this and I want a little of that. And I, I want to build things that I like. I want to build things that fit my personality. There are, there's a movement growing that wants, uh, wants Christians and Muslims to admit that we all just worship the same God. And, and it's a, it's a cute idea, and it's happy, and it goes with this can't-we-all-get-along philosophy, and it, it's good and it's happy except for one minor little problem. It's wrong. We pick and choose what philosophies we want. And then there's some things in here, well, you know, I don't like it. I don't want that factor in there. You hearing me? We take stuff out, we pick stuff up, and we want this, except it's wrong. Christianity has always been a closed view of reality. It's, it's always been a closed system. Everybody screams out, God loves everybody. And, and He does. And, and, and God wants everybody. And He does. But to be in relationship with God, there are requirements. Jesus comes along and He says, I am one of the ways that you can find happiness. No. He says, I am the way, the only way. It is an immediately an exclusive club. He excludes people. Now, hear me good. I do not want ever the church to be an exclusive country club. You hearing me? But the idea of Christianity excludes other philosophies, other sources of happiness. And the Hebrew author is saying, quit trying to find other ways to get through your tough times. You keep trying to grasp at this and grasp at this. Don't build a theology like a bear. Build it on me. Is what Jesus is saying. And the Hebrew writer is telling you it is rough out there. When they're writing the book of Hebrews, these are are Christians, they're Jews and 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 different Gentiles that have followed in Jesus and Jesus comes on the scene. He's the Messiah. They thought getting rid of the Romans is going to get rid of the problem. Get us back in control. Get us back to be the top cheese. Everything's going to be okay. Problem. Jesus comes along. Messiah comes. Messiah dies. Messiah rises. Messiah ascends. And the Romans are still there. And he didn't get rid of the Romans because he wasn't building a country. He was building a kingdom. It was bigger than a place. He wanted it in our hearts. Folks, there are always going to be Romans. There are always going to be governments. There's always going to be theologies that are out there. There's always going to be Hollywoods and culture that tries to influence us and say, think this way and fit into my mold. We need to focus. Fix our eyes on Jesus. 
did the apostles, when they were building the church in Acts, did you see any evidence of the apostles running around and, uh, and getting a rally where let's all picket against the Sanhedrin? Do you, do you hear any parts of that? I don't remember that. You know why? Because it's not what they did. You know what they did? They just talked about Jesus. Have you heard about Jesus? Hey, can we just tell you how much hope this guy gives me? They just talked about Jesus. I speak Jesus. His name is power. His name is healing. His name is life. Friends, are we talking about Jesus? Are we inviting people to Jesus? Or are we trying to get people to think like us? Because that's a that's a, a sad road to be on. Central has long been a melting pot of backgrounds. I use Jerry and Carla Parton as the examples for that all the time. You got Baptists and Church of Christ. You got Methodists and Mormons. You got all kinds of backgrounds, none background. You got all kinds of backgrounds that come in here. Folks, if we spend all of our time focusing on an issue or on a denominational point, we will lose focus. We will miss the target. We, and if we can't control the outcomes of what is going on all around us, we can control how we look at it and our outlook. We, we talk about it frequently because it is our core values. Love God and love others. L1, L2. I know you're sick of hearing about it. I don't want us to ever stop talking about that. Love God. We spend time in worship. It is very valuable to us to sing, to encourage one another. But it's an adoration of our God. Your name is power. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt. Have you seen the new logo that, that Reagan did for AMP? It's on the wall in here. Uh, it's big black sign. says, AMP, adore, magnify, proclaim. All of those words are doing one thing. <laughs> worship. Worship our God, putting Him first. We talk about a lot. We're a Bible-believing in a Bible-using congregation. We want to adore our God, put Him first, L1. And then L2, love others, encourage others. Do you see what we've done the last few months? We spent time focusing on our first responders. We spent time encouraging our nurses. We spent time lifting up our teachers. We built a mountain of mac and cheese. We're filling boxes that are going to go all around the world. We pour ourselves into others. We have connect groups. Some connect groups are going to meet here just today. We have times to get together where we love on each other and we love Portalis. We love on the community. We love God and we love others. Folks, we've got to get our focus on Jesus. Our spectrum group is our Tuesday night uh, college group. It finished up last week, but this Tuesday, if you're in college, seven o'clock, pizza and games. It's gonna be a fun night. Come hang out. And we've been, we've had a really good time studying the book of Job recently. And and I say good time loosely because it's not good. Uh, that is not fun. All right, that was challenging. But uh, last Tuesday night we were sticking around. Some of the guys we were sitting there visiting, and and. We were talking about how did Job get through all of the things that he went through? How did, how did he get through when there's pain and there's trouble in our, our lives? And I just wanted to be transparent. I told him, this is not about you guys. This is about me. I can tell when my attitude is bad. Anybody? 
Can you tell when you're, not mine, you can probably tell when my attitude's bad too, but uh, can you tell when your attitude is bad? I can tell you when my attitude is bad. It's usually in, in proportion to my prayer life. If my attitude is going south, my prayer life is usually headed the same way. When I worry more, it means I'm studying less. I can just see it in my behaviors. When I'm, I'm stressing about money too much, it usually means my, my tithing and, and God's place in my money is not in line. You hearing me? These are spiritual habits. We call them spiritual disciplines. It's old school. It's really basic. But let me ask you this question. How are your spiritual habits? I mean, be honest. Are you spending time in the Word? And you're going, no, no, not really. Uh, I haven't been praying very much. I will make room for you to do what you want to. I don't want to guilt anyone. But if that's where you're at today, start today. And I worry sometimes when I hear people say, I declare the name of Jesus over this problem. I declare the name of Jesus over this uh, over this cancer or this sickness or uh, and and I love those words but it it concerns me when I hear people declaring that but their habits aren't jiving with the attitudes and the habits of Jesus. You hear me? Because then it be, then it can become like a like magic words, like an incantation. Oh, everything's going bad. I better I better speak that out there. That's not what it's ever been. When we are speaking the words of Jesus, it is coming from being in the presence of God. I in, in the presence of God. Are you consistently in His presence? You see, the Hebrew writer is writing and he's saying, you are living in an ungodly world and I don't want you to survive it. I want you to thrive in it. I don't want you to just barely get by. Even when God, in Jeremiah 29, when he was sending them into bondage for 70 years, he said, go in there, build homes, plant gardens, make friends with the neighbors. I want you to thrive even in difficult situations. What the Hebrew writer is telling a bunch of people, he's saying, friends, the politics is against you. He's saying the economy is not good and he's saying your hope is going to be, be belittled. Does that sound familiar? And he says you want to survive that? Then fix your eyes on Jesus. Lock on to his gaze and absolutely be hungry for more of him. But there's a problem. We develop paths and habits by repeated actions true sometimes they're good habits sometimes they're ruts sometimes we get in ruts uh, sociology has a term automaticity uh, it's a big fancy college word basically means muscle memory okay it means just doing something over routine i'll give you an example driving anybody i half the time i pull up in my driveway and i, I how did i get here uh my truck just knows the way, all right? I, you, you just get in a rhythm. You just get in a routine. You're just driving on that road. You just turn here. You just go. You, you do everything routine. Sometimes you do that with laundry. 
Sometimes that's great because you don't have to think about it real hard. I can watch the movie unfold. Uh, you know, it's, it's not that big a deal. Sometimes you do it with walking. Routines are not necessarily bad. Routines can be good. But routines don't usually require focus. And I'm playing with this statement here. I'm kind of trying to process it and work through it. I just don't believe God is using a used rut in your life. I don't think he goes back and finds an old rut that you've been in and tries to speak to you through it. I think he tries to constantly cut new paths in our life, new courses. His mercies are new every morning. We've got to be intentional about keeping his path in our face. We need to find that dot on his face and zoom in on it and focus on his life. If you've ever been out of shape and you've decided to get in shape, you know how hard habits are to break. Amen? Hallelujah? Uh, uh, you know, you, you just started working out. If you try to change your diet, your body likes McDonald's and El Rancho. It just likes it. And after a couple of days, you start getting hangry. Amen? Okay? You start trying to exercise. Your body begs to differ. And after a few days of diet and exercise, your body will try to reclaim land it has ceded to you. It will try to take it back. You're going to get up and do your mile on the track or the treadmill or whatever, and your body says, you're not doing that today. Nothing's working today. Everything's off. It tries to take it back. But if you stick with it and you muscle through those, most of you will know you can start to see changes. It's that way in our spiritual walk as well. I don't want you to be content knowing about God, believing He is there. I want you to believe in Him. Totally trust what He's doing. I want you to get in His presence. But know this warning. We will not see a change in outcome without a change in behavior. You go interview a personal trainer. Interviewed one and he said, or the question was asked of a personal trainer, what do you tell people when they feel like giving up? He said this, just show up. Those three words disrupt old patterns. Just show up. That's powerful stuff. Just show up at Bible study. Maybe you don't know how to. Maybe, maybe you don't have a Bible. Don't you leave this place. We will get you one. We will give, give you one that you can use. Get into Bible study and, and try to figure a way to do it. Now, you get online. Uh, ask some friends. Message Franklin or I or, or Reagan or Jennifer and find ways to Bible study with your teens or with your family. Heads up, don't, don't start in Genesis, okay? It's great. It's fantastic. It's, well, there's wonderful stuff there, but don't start there. Start in Mark. Start in James. James is like three pages, okay? There's a lot of stuff in there, okay? You can make some headway there. We're heading into the Christmas season. Look at the story of Luke or look at the book of John. John is mainly about the last week of Jesus' life. So spend some time looking at, at Jesus. Just show up. Just show up at prayer. 
You might be sitting there going, I don't know how to talk to God. It's been too long. Just start talking to Him. Take that, take that Sunday sheet that you have there that has all those names in there on the prayer list. Just start reading their names. You know what that's doing? It's getting you out of, outside of yourself. It's getting you into somebody else. Just start talking. We're going to spend a lot of time in 22 looking at prayer and the habits of prayer. And one of the biggest parts of it is just showing up at it. Just show up at serving. Volunteer for coffee or greeting. Take one of these boxes and go get it filled. Just show up at the things that matter. I've I've long believed God's not looking for your perfection. Because you're not perfect. He will perfect you. He's not looking for your perfection. He's looking for your availability. Will you just be there? If you'll be there, He will perfect us. He will change us. And the Hebrew writer, he spoke about the weight of all the things that we had, the the stress and the anxiety. He, He talked about the net, the net of sin and shame. But here... Here he's talking about distractions. So simple question. What has distracted your faith walk lately? I'll be honest. Pain distracts us. Maybe it's physical pain. Maybe you're dealing with chronic pain. Maybe you're dealing with physical pain of surgery or recovering from surgery or COVID. We have people watching online. Maybe it's physical pain or maybe it's emotional pain. Dealing with divorce dealing with grief of losing a loved one maybe it was a while ago it can be those painful things that can distract us you know what else can distract us success success can distract us here i'll show you i got so much work to do man everything is going so busy at work i've got to get i've got to spend more time at work i'll get back to god and bible and jesus and all that stuff later when i get a town when i get when i get caught up anybody use that lying phrase in your life when i get caught up then i'll do it see success and apathy can pull and distract us just as easily do you know what the enemy's number one job is it's not the enemy's job is not to send you to hell his enemy's job is to distract you and hell will be waiting for you there he's just trying to get your eyes off jesus Now, this passage has a phrase in here. It says, author and perfecter of our faith. Sounds like a good churchy phrase, but what does it really mean? Some of your versions might say finisher. We look at it and we go, that sounds cool. I mean, I guess God wrote faith. I spent a lot of time pondering this and looking at this. What I can see in here is, you know those guys in chapter 11, in Hebrews 11, the the faith hall of fame, all the great things that they did? Were they listed because they did a bunch of great things? Were they listed because their situations were great? Did they, were they listed because they saved their country? No, they had one phrase in common. By faith, they accomplished these things. By faith, they got through these situations. By faith, it was a faith that God could see a different end. You see, our God writes faith. He finishes the story. But a lot of us, we get caught up in this. Franklin was sharing in first service this morning about uh, how sometimes religion's a bunch of do's and don'ts. And we get our identity from, well, did we do a bunch of things or did we not do a bunch of bad things? And, and 
Don't ever confuse who you are with what you do. The courage that God is offering us here in Hebrews 12 is not to do more. It's to be more in Him. To soak in Him. So my challenge is to this. Stare at Jesus. Don't blink. Focus in on on Him. Focus in on how He interacted with people. Do you realize He didn't belittle people? Even when He knew more than they did. Here's a woman caught in adultery. Here's a Samaritan woman. Here's, Here's Nicodemus that sneaks in in the middle of the night. He could make fun of them. You people are so dumb. He didn't. He never belittled anyone. He met them right where they were and he lifted them from there. Even if that right where they were was way down there. He does the same thing to you. You may have wandered in here. You may have locked on to this feed for whatever. And you're saying, but you don't understand, Don. I don't know anything. I, I can't do anything. It's fine. Our God will meet you right there. And of all those people, do you realize he didn't ask huge things? Hey, Zacchaeus, let's go have lunch. Not a huge thing. It's just just simple obedience. Come down from the tree, let's go eat. Simple obedience. So where is your walk with him right now? Are your habits in good places? It's a simple question. I don't want to nag. I just want us to have the guts to look in the mirror and ask, how are my habits with God? Are they more distracted? Let me ask you something else. Does the situation you're in, is it wearing you out? Is the stress and the worry and the anxiety of it, is it wearing you all out? Maybe it's because... You're far from Him. He's only a step back. What the Hebrew writer is trying to get to us is if you want to know how to survive this world, if you want to know how to thrive in an ungodly world, fix your eyes on Him and just keep staring. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to audio from Central Christian Church in Portales, New Mexico. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. To connect with us, visit our website at centralwired.org.